Hello there, this is Dave Allen, I'm Good and Geeky, and today we're looking at Obsidian and GitHub and Working Copy. And it's a little bit technical, but it's good fun. Gotta be nerdy sometimes, do things the Good and Geeky way. Now, Obsidian is a marvellous application for creating notes and organising all of your note-taking. It's available now on iOS devices, and I have it on my iPad and my iPhone, as well as on my iMac. I love the way that it creates wiki-style notes, and it's pretty easy to work with. Uh, you just put in the uh, uh, square brackets to start making a wiki note, and away you go. You can do it without a file to go to, as it were, or you can do it with something that's already in there. If you're doing it with a file that's um, got to be set up, basically you get a thing on the uh, iPad which says follow the link, and you go into that link, and you can start putting in whatever you want into the file and you get a link and there's why that you can see the backlinks as well so you don't necessarily have to set up um, backlinks manually so it's all pretty good and also you get a thing on obsidian which is a graph view and uh, which you see all of your notes sort of how they link up all together and everything and that's quite good as well i suppose the, uh, the good thing about that would be is if you're studying something and you have a look at all these links and you can perhaps some, see some links there that you hadn't sort of noticed before or Maybe you're doing a search, or you can do a search for a word or something like that, and it'll show you where there are unlinked um, notes of that word, or notes with that word in, and then you can sort of put links into it, maybe sort of make the connections there, and that sort of uh, light bulb moment of studying something that you perhaps wouldn't have noticed otherwise. And I say, I think Obsidian is a pretty good application to use if you're doing any sort of studying. Now then, the thing with the Obsidian is the fact that you've got it on your Mac and your iPhone and your iPad and you want a way to synchronise this. Now one way to do this would be to pay Obsidian. I don't mind paying for software because the fact that you know, they, they provide good services for us, they provide good software for us that make it a uh, joy to use, make us get things done better, you know, they, they, they provide good things. But at the moment, for me, Obsidian, I don't use it quite enough to be able to pay the 96 euros per year to have the, the synchronization. There is a possibility of synchronizing through iCloud. Now, I tried it and it didn't really work that well. It synchronized okay with my iPad. But then when I went over to the iPhone and I started to put some stuff in there, for some reason, it just wouldn't sort of send the file through. Uh, I've no idea why that was. Maybe I need to change some settings on the iPhone or something, or I don't know what was going on there. I tried a few different things, but nothing seemed to sort of stick with it. And so I was a bit sort of um, disappointed with the way that was working. The other possibility is to use GitHub, and there's an application on the iOS called Working Copy, which works with Git. Now, Git is a versioning sort of uh, system, and you can do it well with Git and with GitHub. You can sort of do it so that each time you make changes to something, it keeps a uh, track of what changes you've made. And you can look back and see what you've done in the past. Maybe you bring back something that you deleted previously or go back to a previous version. That's all the stuff that you can do with GitHub. And mostly it's used by software developers and programmers because obviously they're making sort of lots and lots of changes with a huge sort of... Uh, project and they can collaborate and they can sort of um, have different branches they can try out things and if it's good enough and or if they find that the the rest of the team want to put it into the main branch they can bring it in now it's all really complicated and what i'm not 
I'm not really interested in that because I'm not really a programmer. But what I'm interested in using the GitHub as having sort of a backup of the work that's been done, the backup of the um, whole of the text or files or whatever else you're working in. But with Obsidian, that can be a whole lot of things. You can put text in there, you can put files in, you can put pictures in there. So you could use Working Copy and GitHub to do this, and it's it's interesting. Now, when I first tried doing it, I followed a tutorial which is provided by Steel, which I found on the Obsidian forum, and I followed the instructions carefully, step by step. And I was able to get a reasonably good experience of synchronization of notes in Obsidian and iPad and iPhone. And it's also possible to use a GitHub client on the Mac, such as Git Kraken, or to use the terminal on your Mac, so you can sort of drag in whatever changes you've made elsewhere, either on the iPhone or on the iPad, and bring them into the Mac, and so that you can get up to date. And it works. It's, it's okay, but there are some things that you have to remember and you have to be careful about. Now, the reason for this is because if you start working on something on the iPad and you make a whole lot of changes and it's all sort of different and whatever else, and then you forget to do the synchronization or the push back up of, or the commit and the push back up into GitHub, and then you go start working on your iPhone or on the iMac or something else and you start putting things into the same documents, then you could end up with merge conflicts. So what you have to remember is that when you're working on a device, then you have to finish off on that device by sending those changes up to GitHub. And then when you start on the new thing, you have to pull out the new changes from GitHub and merge them in and then start working and do all your stuff and then finish that session. And then you can go back onto another device after that. So you have to remember to do those two steps. You have to pull in the changes that you made elsewhere previously. And if you can't remember whether you made any changes or not, then you should do a pull anyway. And there is a way to get around this so that you can do it automatically. So that's it's a bit easier to do. And then uh, go and do your stuff. So you make your changes in Obsidian or whatever application you might be using. And then when you finish there, you sort of log out, as it were, and you sort of finish off by pushing the changes back up to GitHub. Now, GitHub and Git... There are quite a few commands in there and there has to be a lot of commands in there because of the way that these um, programmers and app developers use these use this to sort of do their stuff. There has to be a way that they control all the things that they need to control. But we don't need all of that. We need just a couple of uh, things. But you do have to know some of the basic settings and commands with GitHub to know what you're doing. So, for instance, uh, there's a git command called fetch. I was thinking, that's great, use fetch, bring the stuff down and you're done. But really what you need to use is you need to use the command pull, which, I mean, to me, it sounded like the same sort of thing, but it's a bit different because it does a, it does a fetch and a merge at the same time. And you need that merge to be able to sort of make sure everything is all sort of tickety-boo and as it's supposed to be. So once I got that sort of in my head, then it was okay. And the other thing that... Um, was with me, it seemed a bit strange, was the fact that you had to do a commit and also a push. Now, when you're using working copy, you can set it up so that when you're doing commits, you also get it to push as well. If you're working on your iMac, then you have to, if you're using the terminal, then you have to sort of remember to do the, the push manually, as it were, or you have to actually remember to put the command in there. The other thing with this is that you have to remember 
to do a stage. There's a staging area. So you have to tell the Git system that there are files that you want to send into Git. And then when you've done that, then you have to commit it and push it. There are ways that you can do it so that it does these things automatically all at the same time. I've even set up a script. There's a script I found somewhere else and I changed it to work on my system. And this script uh, looks into the folder that is being sort of monitored by Git and it will see if there are any changes and every 17 minutes or whatever minutes you want, it will send those uh, changes off to GitHub. So that's one way of doing it. I created a video that you can have a look at on YouTube and it showed how I did this, how I set it all up and you can follow that and if you do it step by step then you're not really going to have too much of a problem. It's just that you're going to have to train yourself to do it that way every single time. Like I said, you do the pull first, bring everything in that's new, whichever system you're working on. You go into the app that you're working in, so in this case it's Obsidian, you do all your changes, you make your notes and all that sort of stuff. And then when you finish, this is the important part, you have to send that stuff back into GitHub. So you have to do the commit and push. When you first start using it, it might seem a little bit complicated, a little bit of a faff. But after a couple of uses, it's not really that difficult. And I think you can manage it. The other thing that I do is I use drafts. And what I like to be able to do with drafts is I like to have that as my place for inputting all text. So to a large extent, so I won't go to Obsidian as my first point of call for putting text in. I'll go into drafts. I'll do the dictating into drafts usually. And then what I'll do is I'll use an action which will send that text into Obsidian if I wanted to go into Obsidian. There will be occasions when I'm working in Obsidian and I don't want to go back into drafts to start putting some text in. So I'll just continue with Obsidian and add stuff there. In any case, the versioning system that I'll be using with Obsidian gives me some of the backup features that I get by using two different applications, one for inputting the text and the other one for organising the text that I get by using drafts and Obsidian both on the system. I do like working initially in draft because it's kind of it's kind of like a backup. So everything I do in drafts it stays in drafts as a, as it's the the first draft as it were, so that I I've I've got it still kept in the archive, and if I need to sort of uh, go back and see what it was I did before or what it was when I first put it in, I can go back to it. So drafts is good. But I say then, once you've got it in Obsidian and you're using GitHub, then you also have this bit of backup working as well because of the fact that you're getting versioning control. So if you do make changes, so if you delete parts of uh, text or if you change parts of text so that you sort of take one word out and replace it with another word, then Git will notice all of that and you'll be able to go back to a, um, a previous version if you need to. So that's the joy of using versioning. Um, in fact, I think there's even versioning in drafts. I don't use it very often, but it is, it is there. Uh, one of the reasons I was looking into Obsidian was the possibility of getting rid of day one and using Obsidian as my place to keep my journal. And after a couple of days of trying it, I don't think it's going to work. You get a daily note in Obsidian and obviously you can make more than one daily note or you can do it in such a way that you sort of um, 
build upon the the one daily notes by having extra notes or drafts or whatever else you want to put as um, input or connected items within that daily draft. That's, that's a good way of doing it, I suppose. But the thing I don't like is the fact that sometimes when you put pictures in there, it'll put the pictures in upside down. And I like pictures in my journal, so it's fairly important that they're going to go in right. I haven't found a way of turning the pictures around the right way, so if they do do that at some point in time, maybe I could consider it again. And also the thing with day one is that you get some specific tools, which I particularly like, such as the On This Day. So quite often when I open up my phone, it says, do you have a look at, uh, see what happened on this day? And I've got journal entries going back over nine years. So that's, it's really interesting to see what happened on this day, sort of seven years ago or nine years ago and see what I was doing, what I was thinking. And that's uh, a pretty good thing with day one, which I would like to keep. I could do some something similar with search in Obsidian. So I could do a search for... Uh, you put your when you put your 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 daily note in there, it goes in with the ISO so date format. So for now it'd be the 2021 dash the month. So it'd be eleven for November dash and then to today's date. So the two numbers for that. So I suppose what you could do is you could do the, do a search where you're looking for um, say for today, which is the. Uh, 17th of November so what I could do is I could do a search for 11-17 and then it could find all the notes over all the years which end with that particular date that would be one way of finding it I don't think it'd be as pretty I don't think it would work quite as nicely but it's a possibility I suppose when I've got um, sufficient journal posts within Obsidian maybe I'll be able to test that and see how it works I could bring in some of the uh, day one journal posts in put those into obsidian and try it out and see how that works i suppose anyway it was really interesting to do this sort of setup of github and everything i like learning something new i like being good and geeky and using git github was a pretty good sort of bit of fun i've watched a few videos there are a whole bunch of videos on youtube which show you how to do this and you'll have to sort of filter some of the information because I say that it's mainly meant for programmers and software developers uh, which they need a lot of complicated tools to do their job and we only need a small subset of that if we're writers and we want to just keep track of some of the writing that we've done and I say it is really useful you know, like if you were if you're working on a text you think oh I don't like that entry um, or that intro into that part of the the text I want to change that for something else. Then you can make your changes and you don't have to worry about the fact that you might lose some stuff or the, the, the initial stuff in there in case you decide you want to go back to it. You can you can go back to it. You can go and have a look in the file as it was when you did the first bit. Take what you need out of it and bring it back or you can sort of say, OK, well, I want to go back to that point and get back to the start again without losing anything. And it's it's possible. It's 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 a good way of working well i did look at something called veracrypt there is someone who is suggesting that you use veracrypt to do file encryption or folder encryption or to have a vault which is encrypted on either a hard drive or on a sd card or a thumb drive of any sort and i followed the instruction to set it up and it was 
complicated, very, very complicated. You had to use a terminal to update, well, I had to update Brew or Homebrew. Then I had to download a couple of bits of different software. And I didn't know what this software was, but it was suggested in this tutorial. And I trusted this fellow with the tutorial, so I did it anyway, using the terminal and things were being brought in. As I was bringing stuff in, there was a couple of things that showed up errors, so they didn't bring it in correctly, so I'd have to run the command again. And it finally got all the stuff in. And at the end of it, it just seemed too much hassle. I mean, because I've got an application on my iMac called Encrypto, and I can drag a folder into that, give it a password, and it's protected. It's encrypted. No one can read it unless they see the password. And I can send it to somebody else. I can give them the password if it's something I want to share. And I don't have to worry about all this messing about with VeraCrypt. And I say, I just can't recommend it. When I first looked at VeraCrypt, it was because it was suggested as an application that was available on the operating system called Tails. And this Tails, actually, I quite liked. And it was interesting. And it's interesting because basically what it is, it's a... Operating system on an SD card or a thumb drive. So this is where it's really useful. So you're off someplace or other. There's a computer that you want to use. It's running Windows or it could be running Linux or whatever else. And basically what you do is you put your uh, SD card into the slot or the um, thumb drive into the slot. And you boot up from that operating system on the uh, SD card or thumb drive. It doesn't matter if the system that you're working on, the computer that you're working on, if it's got a virus in there. It doesn't matter if it's got some keylogging software in there. Generally, you're safe because you're working from the SD card. Everything that's going into the memory of the computer, the RAM memory, which is volatile memory, which is going to be all erased when you're finished. It goes into that. It comes out of that. It's You log out of it and uh, nothing is uh, left of your working system. In fact... It's called Tails because it's called, uh, what is it now, the Amnesiac, <laughs> I can't remember what the I stands for, but the it's a, basically it's an Amnesiac system. So when you come out of it, everything is forgotten unless you've specifically put certain things into a persistent storage area. I've put some things into a persistent storage area. I've put some PGP keys in there which are protected by a password, this persistent storage area, no one else will be able to get into it unless they can find the password. And depending on your threat level, it depends on what you're going to put into this persistent storage area. If you're an activist and there's a possibility that you're going to be picked up by the police or government agencies or rivals or whoever might want to get that information, and it's likely that uh, you could be caught with information on your person that you don't want to be caught, then the thing to do, put nothing into permanent storage and then each time you set up a new session with Tails, everything's forgotten, you're starting fresh from, from new and you can set up a new PGP key, you can set up your email system on there. Tails is great, it, the email system there it comes with Thunderbird, so you can use PGP set up within Thunderbird if you want to as well, so you can set up a PGP key to work system-wide and the way that works is that you, well, there's two ways of doing it. You can select a file and you can encrypt it using PGP from the file system. Or you want to send some text, you can select that text in a text editor. 
and there is a thing up on the menu bar at the top there and you sort of select it and it gives you options to encrypt the text using the PGP key that you set up and then you can either encrypt it for yourself, uh, encrypt it with your own uh, private key to be decrypted with your own private key or you can encrypt it with someone else's public key, send it to them and your information is protected whichever way you work in it. So that's Tales for you. If you want to get into something and be a bit good and geeky, then have a look at it. It's fun. It's good. I wasn't able to use it on my own iMac for some reason or other. I think it might have been because it was... Because um, I've got quite a few sort of extra um, hard disks plugged into it. I think if I unplugged all my extra hard drives, I'd be able to uh, work it off uh, my iMac. I put it into my wife's iMac, which is my iMac, and it worked first time. It takes a long while to boot up because it's booting up off an SD card or a thumb drive. Um, so if you're going to get an F SD card to work off, then get one that's a fairly speedy one. It'll uh, work out a bit quicker. But today, that's one of the things with um, encryption, is that the more secure you get, the more hoops you'll have to jump through, the more inconvenient it gets to actually use. But as I say, it's going to be worth it if you need that protection. I do like encryption. I do like security. And for the life of me, I can't understand why it is that Apple haven't come up with some sort of end-to-end -end encryption on email. It's all well and good saying that they're really sort of happy about what they've done with making iMessage safe and secure, which it is to a point. Uh, so long as you don't do any iCloud backups with iMessage, then everything in uh, iMessage is going to be, or messages as it's called now, is going to be secure when you're sending end-to-end. -end. There's going to be no man in the middle attacks of that possible. Or you can use various other things like uh, Session, which is one that I like. Signal, which is good, although you have to use a phone number which could identify you. Or you could use, uh, there's other ones called, there's one called Dust. There's uh, Threema, which I think is a really good one. I like that one. And Telegram's okay, but you have to remember with Telegram that's not uh, encrypted by default. You have to sort of um, manually to decide to send an encrypted message and also I have to remember that you don't get the encryption in group chats obviously it's more difficult because there are a lot of people coming into it so that you can't you can't do encryption within group chats I think it's possible to have encryption within or end-to-end -end encryption with some group chats in other applications like session or with uh, signal but um, I haven't got it set up like that in in telegram so um, choose your messaging service wisely, dependent upon your threat level. If you've got um, people that are after you, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. <laughs> anyway, so this is me having a bit of a ramble about um, things I've been doing lately with GitHub, with Tails, with encryption, and I'm being good and geeky and having some fun with uh, my computer and I hope you're having some fun too. If you've got something from this podcast, leave something in the comments. If you haven't, uh, but you just liked it anyway, sort of click on like. Um, share it to some of your friends. Subscribe to it so that you can come back to it at a later stage and uh, see what other stuff I've put up there. And uh, this is Dave Allen for Good and Geeky. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye now.